You're listening to Nowhere to Run with Chris White on the Revelations Radio Network. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome to Nowhere to Run on the Revelations Radio Network. Speaking of the Revelations Radio Network, if you are not subscribed or don't go to it very much or just listen to this show, consider checking it out. Lots of good shows on there. I just recently um, added another one, Revelations Radio Network Classics, and it's basically going to be just really good shows in the past that have been on the Revelations Radio Network. Just sort of a, a great way to bring up old episodes of things like Future Quake and PID and Nowhere to Run. Uh, some old stuff from Russ Dizdar's courses or whatever it is that's important to to dig up or anything else. So um, if you have any recommendations or anything, any great episodes of any of those that you remember or would like to hear, um, certainly submit uh, those to, to me if you want to. You can do that on Facebook or on um, Twitter or on uh, just my email. So so that's cool. I'm excited about that. I just posted one recently with Chris Pinto uh, and the Secret Origins of, uh, of America, an old Future Quake episode. So check that out on revelationsradionetwork.com. Also, the other podcast, Revelations Radio Network Weekly, which is mostly a sermon and testimony podcast. I'm going to try to keep those, both of these updated regularly every week and including Nowhere to Run if if possible. So I'm really going to try to put three podcasts out a week and just put that on the calendar that no matter what, you know, I'm going to put three podcasts out a week one way or another. Although it's a little bit different sometimes with Nowhere to Run. Usually I I do a Nowhere to Run episode because I have something to say and I don't like to put them out just to say something. And I think that there's a big difference. And so sometimes I do that. I'm like, well, I should I should do a show and try to whip up something to talk about, you know. And it just ends up being um, stale and stuff like that. But what normally has happened, and the reason I continue to do podcasts, is because um, I continue to have things to say or something that I just think about or, or learn or whatever. And I just kind of make notes about that as the, the, the days progress or, or whatnot. So... So I've got a few of those things uh, to talk about today, but um, let's see, before I get into any of that, I will talk about Ancient Aliens. This is a, a project that I'm working on with uh, Sam Bolton, and we are going to do a um, debunkumentary of the Ancient Aliens series on the History Channel, and it's still pretty well in the early stages. We are actually just cataloging the episodes still, watching them, you know, putting time signatures down as to when things are happening. This is going to be a kind of a long-term project. We want to really do a good job. So I'm also learning a lot about um, kind of going back to film school in a lot of ways. I'm, I mean, I went to film school, but I, I mean, I just went there briefly. But um, learning about things like lighting and interviews and stuff like that, also for the TV show stuff. And um, so trying to learn about doing a really good job in all the areas of, 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 um, video editing and, and, and all those things that make a, that make a documentary good. So hoping to really increase the quality of all the videos that uh, I do from here on out. Um, and that may make the videos that I produce from here on out take a longer time to 
put out, but I think that it's worth doing, you know. Um, I think if you have a good topic, something that's worth um, talking about, it it can go further and do more and get in front of more people if it's done with a certain level of, of quality. But even though we haven't really got into the research part of that, um, there have been some things that I have been looking up just to see what I could find out about it. One of those things that was pretty funny was the idea of vimanas. Um, vimanas are these ideas in, in Indian folklore that are, uh, it can mean palace and it can mean a lot of other things or it could mean, it, it was, it was, but the whole thing was that gods in, in the Indian belief system, uh, would, would, would fly around in these things. So obviously you can see the ancient aliens connection there, but the descriptions of them in the ancient texts don't sound, I mean, they're, they're horse drawn carriages and whatever, and they they clearly are, are, are mythological in the, in what they do or whatnot. But in the ancient aliens show, they refer to this, um, this particular one, which is, you know, it sounds real high tech, you know, it's got metal and electricity and flapping wings and, you know, or, you know, all these interesting things. And they, they really play that up, you know, that these things were described just like alien ships and all this stuff. But what's interesting about that is that the, what they're referring to is not an ancient text at all, but a text published in the fifties, I think. And what it was, was a, a mystic, an Indian mystic channeled this ancient book. Like this was a book that was supposedly lost, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago. So the, the, the channeled book, you know, that this psychic basically dictated, uh, you know, whatever the, uh, this book. So it's not an actual ancient text. So they're, they're basically just saying, oh yeah, that's, that's just as good as an ancient text, 1950, um, or, you know, whatever, 2000 BC, it's, it's all, it's all good. So that's an interesting one, but there's lots of stuff like that. And then there's a lot of genuine mystery and stuff like, um, you know, we, well, I, I do hope to, as we get into the research portion, start talking more about these things and open up, a, opening up a dialogue with you guys. Um, by the way, if, if anybody does want to help, um, with this, we could use some help in cataloging some of the, uh, claims and things like that. We need to go through a number of, of these shows and it's, it's kind of time consuming, but I can show you an example of what one of these, um, show maps look like basically where, um, and I can show you which shows we need to yet map. And if anybody wants to volunteer to basically watch a bunch of ancient aliens and, and make notes as to when the time signature, they say something important, you don't got to catalog everything that they say, but you got to be, you know, smart enough to know, Hey, that's a claim that needs to be looked up or that's a ridiculous thing that they said, or, you know, some kind of notable thing needs to be noted and, and just cataloged. And I think we have maybe eight more shows that we need. To, there, we could technically go into like, do the, do a whole lot more than the, the eight more that I want to get to, but a whole lot of their shows are just, just completely worthless. Like, um, Aliens in the Old West is the name of a show. An hour and a half of ancient aliens about in the Old West. And, you know, I mean, maybe there's something worth talking in there. And that's, we could probably debunk all kinds of stuff in that one. But I don't think it's really going to be all that useful as far as being relevant to the the overall theme here, which is 
ultimately just a, a, a systematic deception. I think that it becomes clear in, in learning about the ancient aliens um, uh, uh, TV show that they do have an agenda, and they um, they they make sure that they get the agenda in just about every episode, which is no uh, big surprise if you're if you're a History Channel watcher. But anyways, so I think I'll move on from Ancient Aliens and uh, move into some of the observations that uh, I've been observing the last uh, week or so. This first one is something that is more of just a cool thing that happened. And the, the last week has been kind of rough, and and I don't know what it is. I, I suspect that... Um, People that do a lot of counseling or, or pastoral stuff have similar stories to tell. But uh, ever since I started doing emails like on Mondays and Thursdays, like the whole day is usually emails. And sometimes that can be pretty heavy, you know, because there are a lot of heavy things that are happening with the emails. And and so it's kind of like, you know, every email is like a whole other thing, you know, if we're fighting or we're you know, trying to encourage or trying to help with some, you know, problem or, you know, it's just all over the board and it's kind of an emotional roller coaster. And, so, you know, some of that is, is that's what I like to do. I'm not, I'm not complaining uh, at all about that. I'll, I'm just setting up this, that, uh, I think it was one of those days. I think it was this Thursday. Actually, it was Monday. Um, anyways, the point is that I was really just beat up. I had a lot of there was a lot of things just people say mean stuff, you know, uh, and, and normally that doesn't really bother me, but there was a lot of people making videos about me and just, Oh man, lying about me. And that's nothing, that's nothing new, but it's just, it was just a lot that particular day. It was almost like, it was like seven, seven big battle royales going on. And, um, anyway, I was just, just beat up. And towards the end of the day, something completely different happened, and there was another sort of fight, and I just kind of broke down in a, in a little way, and I just cried, basically. And I remember when I was crying, it was mostly out of, not out of the accusations or anything, but it was more, and I don't mean this to sound spiritual, I just, again, trying to set up what was happening, but I was crying mostly for the the, the lostness of some of these people and it was it it was particularly hurtful or whatnot so I, I was crying and I remember asking the Lord just to be there I felt like I just wanted him to to like just be there at that moment you know to just like I like as if like I could cry on him personally you know like cry on his shoulder I just wanted just wanted him to be there I didn't need him to do anything I just wanted him to to be there with me. And I really wanted him to be. And I remember just crying out and saying, please, please just be here with me. Um, and it, and then it kind of ran its course. It didn't last very long, but I felt very strongly. And I know that people can, um, say this from time to time. And I certainly have done it myself when I wondered, was that me or was that not me or whatever? But I felt like I should just go, uh, look up Psalm 18. I just, was just feeling strongly that Psalm 18 was what I needed to read. So I went and picked it up after this, and it says, I'll start in reading verse 2, 
The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and my horn of salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The pangs of death surround me and the floods of ungodliness make me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surround me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry came before him, even to his ears. And, you know, that just, I just broke down again, you know, because to me this says so much about who God is. I mean, I, I love the fact that it he's so exalted here, too. Um, you know, it, it says... At first there, uh, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So he's already, you know, he is worthy to be praised, but I'm going to call upon him. And I love how um, in verse uh, six, it says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry came before him, even to his ears. And that is just such a a wonderful, awesome thing that God, the creator of galaxies and solar systems and you and me sitting on his exalted throne with the cherubim cares about you and your, in your time of distress. And in, in, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard me from my, um, and my voice from his temple and, and my cry came before him, even to his ears. And I learned a whole lot from this experience. One of them was first the obvious point that God listens to us and he cares about us deeply. And I want to encourage people about that in their time of distress. Don't run away from God, run towards him. These are the moments that uh, he wants to, he wants most of all to build you through and to, to build a relationship with him through you know, this all exists, this world, the, the, this creation, everything in it exists as an arena to, for us to, to learn about God and his love for us. I mean, that's why it's here. That's why we are here is to be reconciled to God and then use that reconciliation. Once we're reconciled to God, well, let's Let's actually use it. We we are heirs. We have audience with the king. He cares about us. We're co-heirs with Christ. So now let's, let's deepen that relationship. And that's what the meaning of life is, is the knowledge of God. And the deeper knowledge that we now have the capacity to as children uh, of God. But So that's one thing. But another thing, obviously, his action as a result of this. If you read the, the, right there, stopping there in Psalm 18 and read on, you see that God takes great action at that point. He he gets off his throne. He thunders and, and smokes down and, and, and delivers David from uh, his enemies here. And um, you know it says here, uh, verse 17, He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. So whatever situation it is that you cry out to God in your time of distress... And that, you know, your enemies are too strong for you and it's overwhelming, whether it's financial or, or, or whatever. Um, let it be an opportunity for you to see that God is worthy of putting it on his desk. You know, I think that's sometimes what he just wants us to do. The it might be the first time we ever said, look, 
I cannot do this. I have to put it on your desk. I, I love that picture in the Old Testament. And I obviously, see, I can't remember the name of the king. And I don't even remember the name of the book. But it's when Rabshakeh, I do remember he was, he was the guy that was calling out this king and brought the letter from his king. He was kind of like a military leader or whatever. And he was saying, look, his his country was going to come and destroy them and that there was nothing they could do. And he delivered this letter to the king of uh, of Israel and said, look, it's over for you guys. The army's coming. You might as well give up. Your God isn't worth anything and da-da-da-da-da. And the king took this letter and it says he spread it before the temple. He went to the temple with the letter in hand and was just like, spread it before the Lord. You know, Lord, I'm putting this on your desk. I cannot deal with this on my own. I don't have we, you know, the ability to. And I think that sometimes that's where we can finally get real with God in prayer. And this is like the breakthrough here. There was a second thing that I really learned from this. And I would say that this is the second thing is something that I've been thinking of before this and, and trying to, and it was something I wanted to talk about. Um, but this event really helped solidify it. The second thing is both prayer and reading the Bible. I think I've been looking at them both as uh, too much of a chore. And there's been something of a revolution in my thought process about what is actually going on with prayer and uh, and reading the Bible. The Let's start with prayer because that's what we're on right now. Is the idea of just, and I've said this a lot, being real with God and talking about whatever issues that are on your heart first of all we, we could talk about all the you know the requests for all the different things that we need and stuff like that and we need a lot of good things and that are in the will of god and that's all all good but the most just great times of fellowship with god that i've had recently have been in those areas that i just sort of talk it out with him in a sense like um there's areas that I have that are just like, I'm concerned about, you know, and I don't know the solution to. And I think sometimes I just, just talk to him about it. You know, like I would talk to, like I would talk to nobody except for God himself or, you know, somebody that loves you like a father, but also is God, you know? And I think in that process of me just talking it out with him, like actually what your father would want you to do if you came to him is, as, you know, Hey dad, I got this problem. You know, any of you fathers out there, I'm sure that you'd be like, I'd love if my kid, you know, would come to me with his problems. And I think that's not by accident. You want that for the same reason to, to demonstrate to you what God wants from us. He wants to hear from us in our times of trouble. And you want to hear from your kids. You want to help your kids in their time of trouble. God describes prayer as incense. And it's a sweet smell to him. The smell of incense is what it, what prayer is likened to of his children. So think of that when you when you go to God, and especially with those issues. And, and in those situations, prayer does, stops becoming a chore or a burden or a religious activity or, you know, I have to do it in a holy manner or package it in a certain way. And I don't want to disparage that in, in any way or whatever, but at least this, there's a type and a time and a place for this kind of prayer as well. And that is just talking it out. And, I, and in that process of talking it out, I, I'm not 
hearing the voice of God um, tell me the answer to the question or whatever, but it's been like I have been get, coming away from that experience either completely okay with it now, somehow at peace with it, or some sometimes with an answer. Some Somehow in that dialogue and talking it out, I got the answer like downloaded to me in some way. Like, I oh, and, and it wasn't a voice, it wasn't anything, and I don't know whatever but there's another thing that relates to reading the bible that's so similar to that and i think sometimes i tend to try to make um a relationship with god too mystical and they have there is a bible sitting there the whole time he's like already given us his will on almost every issue and he's got like an a b c d e version of each one of those things that he can still supernaturally work through the Bible to guide you to what you need to hear, when you need to hear it. And obviously the experience that I had tended to reiterate that. But what I gathered from these experiences, I've had several of these recently, where I needed an answer to a question that was specific. You, you need to know the will of God oftentimes in your life about specific things. Uh, an example for me was, um, should I should I try to you know, ask people for, for money for the Africa trip? I mean, or should I just sort of, or am I being disobedient by actively sending out whatever emails asking for money or whatever? Or should I just trust God that he can put it on people's hearts? I mean, that was a genuine dilemma. I don't know which, what, what was the will of God on this particular issue. And I, I'm certain that it could be, it could go different ways for different people in different situations. So I was wondering, and instead of sort of needing God to like give me uh, an answer about that, um, I, ne I knew that the answer was in the Bible. And I knew that he could speak to me supernaturally through the Bible about that specific issue. And so I prayed and asked him to do just that as, as I was sitting before the Bible and it said, Lord, I need to know, and I don't care if this is a rebuke or whatever, I need to be, you know, told whatever I need to hear. And I opened up the Bible, not to just a random place. I'm sure that that's happened and works, and it certainly has worked in the past for me. But uh, I, I think it's important to realize we don't need to be mystical. If we know enough about the Bible, we could say, well, you know, probably somewhere in the pastoral epistles, I would find more about this stuff. You know, somewhere in the book of Acts with Paul's missionary journeys, perhaps that would be a good place to start and just start reading until, um, you know, find an answer. And the cool thing about it is that you, it's still a supernatural book and you're still being supernaturally guided and he can give you the answer that cuts right to the bone and marrow, you know, with the sword of the spirit and, and it just drops you and it's still as, as powerful and as potent as it, it, it when it hits you the answer but you just knew that you went and found, tried to find the answer. You didn't just leave it to a mystical thing. And I think that that's, that kind of stuff is a really important part of our Bible reading process. Now, it doesn't always have to be that every time you sit down to read the Bible that you're looking for an answer to some question. Maybe you don't have a pressing issue that you need to know something about in reading the Bible. But if you go into that with that attitude that, you know, God knows what you are going to be going through during that day, week, month. He is giving you information about 
your life and, and he's he's highlighting things that need that you need to be convicted by and he's um he's he's leading you to places that you need to see and read i think it's good to have a pattern but just like prayer for me anyway and and maybe this is just me but prayer and reading the bible can so easily become a work you know well i got to read the bible today got to pray you know did i pray today or whatever and that's just not, I, I think when you look at prayer and you look at the reading the Bible as, as what the Bible describes itself as, meat and milk and food and bread and water, and how, and how many times does the Bible speak of itself like that? Psalm, uh, Psalm 1 uh, talks about, if you meditate on the word day and night, you're like a tree planted by rivers of living water who bears fruits in its season. Um, how many times does the Lord talk about his words being, um, you know, I, I, or Paul talking about milk or meat or Peter talking about the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. It actually does grow us. Um, I, I was uh, reading um, Proverbs, let's see, four here. Uh, I love verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your ears. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Um, this whole first part of Proverbs just uh, is all about this. I mean, seek her diligently as if it was gold or silver, um, and how, how much does it, does it speak of this? But, but of course, a lot of you, especially you, you seasoned Christians out there, I'm preaching to the choir. You know this, you've experienced it in your life. You know that when you're in the word, uh, in a consistent basis, that your life is bearing fruit in its season. Your joy is full. All the promises of God about the abiding in the vine and, and all these things are, they, they are true in your life. You, you are uh, like a, a tree planted by living waters. But what's the problem? What keeps us from it? Well, a lot of things keep us from it. But one of the things I want to talk about, and it, it goes bigger than just prayer in the Bible, but it, 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 as, I think about, as I think about so many of the things that I want to see change in my life for the better, it all comes down to one foe, discipline. I mean, discipline, and I'm just going to name some issues, okay? Prayer, as we already mentioned, reading the Bible. Um, health, um, just health issues, you know, what, what do you need to be doing different for your health? Is it like exercise or something like that? Or eating habits. I mean, those are all completely discipline related. Uh, financial stuff. I mean, how many of our financial problems would be solved with a little bit of discipline and, and budgeting and sticking to budgets? Or how many sin issues are just a matter of discipline in our lives? Um, discipline, really, if we, could, if we could find out the secret to being disciplined about all things, and that became a part of our life, people said, well, he's a disciplined person. If he sets his mind to it, he does it. And... That is, that's the thing, discipline. That, that will make us prayers and it will make us Bible readers. We will grow. We will, we will do all the things we need to do. Great quote. I have actually cut this quote out and uh, pasted it or 
taped it to my window in front of my computer, so I look at it all the time. It says, everyone wants to change, but change demands desire and discipline before it becomes delightful. There is always the agony of choice before the promise of change. So, yeah, everybody wants to change. I mean, who out there doesn't say, oh, yeah, I'd like to, you know, read the Bible more or or lose weight or save money or all these things that we say, but what's keeping us from it? Everybody wants to change, but in order for us to change, the agony of choice, you have to take that deep breath and do that thing you don't want to do. Take that deep breath and don't do that thing you want to do. It's always the agony of choice. Or And if you don't, then there's going to be no, no change in anything. So I don't really have the answer for that, uh, but I do want to put that before you, that what can we... What can we do to be more disciplined? And I think as far as the spiritual stuff, prayer and, uh, and uh, reading the Bible and turning from sin, those things are more than just laws to abide by. They are benefits. You know, all the things that we're told to turn from in sin are like the reason they are sin is because they kill, steal, and destroy uh, from our life and from our joy. I mean, we... We lose every time we sin. The greatest lie is that sin is beneficial for us. And there isn't a sinner out there that would admit or that wouldn't admit that, that every sin, that everything that they know people call sin, doesn't ultimately destroy lives. I mean, you could say, yeah, drinking's fun, but when, it, when it's fully grown, it will destroy not just your body and your liver, but your life and your marriage. Yeah, we can see cool billboards of, of that kind of stuff, but we know that in the end, it, it's a destroyer. Or, you know, pornography or any of these things. We can, we can see the logical conclusion of all these things that, that we know to be sin. And we can see, oh yeah, that destroys, that kills, that breaks apart marriages. That, that, that's definitely, um, uh, you know, open up doors and every other thing that it does. does. That's bad. Yet somehow we've been, you know, fooled with the sex, drugs, and rock and roll line, you know, that somehow that's all our right and, and good to do. And and all the while God said, look, the reason I said not to do those things is because I know how this world works. I know how gravity and entropy and cellular degeneration works. And if you do those things, it will kill, steal, and destroy from you. You will give place to the devil by doing all those things. And I don't want you to do that I, I, because, I, because I love you and I don't want you to be uh, destroyed by yourselves. So anyways, kind of getting off topic there. But the main point is here, discipline. How do we do it? I didn't uh, do that research actually, so I don't have an answer for you. But I do at least want to put before you the enemy. The enemy is discipline. You want to see change in your life? you got to first come up with a reason, a way, a strategy to be a disciplined person. And every area of your life needs to be activated in that. And there's no, how many of us spend, you know, see the things that we keep saying, oh, well, I'll do that tomorrow, I'll do that tomorrow, I'll, start, I'll begin to do better about that next week or next year. And we're all getting older. And it's we've been telling ourselves this lie for 
you know, a decade. And it's just got to stop. We've got to see that in order to see this change, we've got to make a daily choice. We've got to take the deep breaths and have the agony of choice before the promise of change. Okay, enough of that. And I guess that's that's all I had on the list. Okay, so 32 minutes here and uh, I'm out of material. So I guess we'll call it a short show and I'll remind you of some of the things that I mentioned here. First of all, with the Ancient Aliens thing, if anybody wants to be a part of that project and wants to help sort of review some uh, Ancient Aliens uh, uh, material and sort of map it out for us, actually probably the best way to do that is to send me an email. That way I can get with you personally about which episodes still need to be done and and it'll just be better that way. So you can email me at nowhere to run 1984 at gmail.com or you can find that out on my website, nowhere to run radio.com. Also, remember Revelations Radio Network Weekly, which is on the Revelations Radio Network, and Revelations Radio Network Classics. So you can subscribe to both of those RSS feeds separately, or you can just go to Revelations Radio Network on iTunes and subscribe to it and get all of them at the same time. Hope to be having some other shows added pretty soon on the Revelations Radio Network, and I'm really trying to to make that a point to to make that better content for everybody and that everybody can grow and learn a lot from it. So I'm going to try to do a lot better job in uh, keeping going what uh, Frank Lordy has started with the Revelations Radio Network. Um, and uh, just on, on, quickly on Frank, uh, I haven't talked to him in a little while, but uh, last time I talked to him, he was doing a lot better and uh, still doesn't have any plans to be um, doing anything as far as podcasts or whatnot, but he's doing doing really good. But uh, just wanted to remind you of the great work that Frank has done and to keep him in your prayers. And um, let's see here. And then finally talked about, uh, obviously, discipline was the last thing we talked about and um that God is there if you cry out to him in your times of distress and that prayer and reading the Bible are don't have to be works. They don't have to be things you have to do, but rather it could be a time of discovering who God is in your relationship with him. So if you have any questions about anything I said here or any previous podcasts or videos, you can go to the website, nowheretorunradio.com, and you can hit the contact button and email me there or just directly at nowhere to run nineteen eighty four at gmail.com. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll talk to you all real soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Nowhere to Run. You can download all of the archives to this show and others I've done for free at nowheretorunradio.com. Your prayers and donations are needed and appreciated. You can partner with me to reach many more people with discipleship, apologetics, and the gospel. Go to Nowhere to Run Radio to help support this ministry. Thanks for your time. Yeah.